Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is officially week one of the NFL season. A game is happening in two days. The Ravens are playing in five days. What else is there to say this week on pod like a Raven? Turns out there's plenty to say, because we are jacked up to be talking Ravens, to be talking NFL. Football is here. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I will admit, it it caught, it it just snuck right up on me. I thought we were months away, months away, then I thought we were six weeks away, and I woke up and games were coming this week, and I am excited and now ready to talk Ravens football with you all. Let me bring in my co-host, starting first with Tim Horsey, Tim, are you jacked up? Oh, buddy. Can you smell that? It's the buffalo chicken dip. It's the yingling. It's the crippling disappointment of looking pretty terrible against the Texans and still winning by three. It's back, baby. Football is here. The only, the only thing that I'm upset about is that it's not fall weather yet. My man's ready to rock a hoodie. You know, I, I'm ready to put the hoodie-shorts combo on, and yet... This week in Maryland here, it's going to be like 98 for the first three days of the week, which is absolutely miserable. But outside of that, I cannot wait. The college football slate, and, and as if you listen to this show, you know that Jace is more of a purveyor of the college football compared to Antonio and I. I dabbled a little bit because I just needed a little taste, a little appetizer, uh, a, a, just a little something with football. But now the real thing is here, um, at least the thing that, that, that we are very passionate about, uh, I should say. And I, Man, I am beyond excited to just sit on my couch on a Sunday and watch seven hours of commercial-free football with Scott Hansen. It's going to be beautiful, my friend. And f- formerly on the East Coast and then formerly on the West Coast and now back on the East Coast, Jay Sevens, Jace Games, starting in the afternoons for you. I uh, got some 1 p.m.s coming, by the way, so that's something you, you may need to adjust to, but how excited are you for the NFL and Raven football? Oh, I am so excited, Antonio. I think I've mentioned it on the show in the past. Uh, you know... Excited for every football season, but less so last year, uh, just with all the drama that was coming into the season. Not so this year. It's just pure excitement. In fact, this is, I think, the most excited I've been in a Ravens season in three or four years. There's just a lot of hype. Um, you know, will they live up to what the fans want? Who's to say? We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But for the immediate future, yeah, it's hard not to be really excited about this team and just football season as a whole. I mean, yeah, just to echo what Tim said, 102 degrees doesn't really feel like football weather, which is what it's supposed to get close to here tomorrow. But uh, aside from that, uh, yeah, not, not, very excited. You know, it's it's the best time of the year uh, for me. I, I, it doesn't get better than these next few months. We are going to cover a few roster updates as the Ravens have uh, finagled the 53 and and the practice squad. We're going to go over who we think are going to be the playoff teams coming out of the AFC and the NFC. Going to preview week one, Ravens hosting the Texans, and then give you some of our picks. And I think the trio this year 
we're we're approaching the gambling section with a bit more uh, a bit more care. It's going to be a little bit more serious. Mm. All winners, all the time, even when they contradict each other. When the three the, the three <laughs> of us have picks that directly contradict, we will somehow work that out. Um, so a lot to go over. Buckle in and let's start with the roster here. A couple names that we talked about last week who did not make the 53-man, and then we kind of knew they were eventually going to make the 53-man, did. Uh, no surprises there. Brent Urban, Kevon Seymour, Josh Johnson to the active roster, uh, Malik Ham, Keaton Mitchell, and then Demarion Pepe Williams all went to IR to make some space. And then the Ravens practice squad, going to go through the names quickly, end up being... Uh, at least as of uh, my notes, we might have to adjust this a little bit, but uh, Anthony Brown, Melvin Gordon, Owen Wright, Ben Mason, Laquan Treadwell, Sean Ryan, Travis Vokalek, Sam Mustafer, Tashawn Manning, Tykeem Doss, Rashad Nichols, Bravian Roy, Jeremiah Moon, Josh Ross, Daryl Worley, and Jeremy Lucian. So a few new names there and a few names that we know and that we've heard of. Uh, guys that um, maybe playing important minutes by December. Hopefully, we don't want to see any of them doing so. But um, some interesting names on this list, guys. Uh, some guys that we were kind of surprised that didn't make the team actually end up hanging on uh, and staying in the organization, at least for the practice squad. What were your, your final thoughts on the 53-man roster in the practice squad as these last couple of names started to shake out? So, first things first, yeah, Anthony Brown has been released. Um, he is not on the, the roster anymore. Tay, I believe it's Tay Hayes, um, is a is a defensive back, a cornerback, that has now taken his spot on the practice squad. So just to mention that there. Um, Brent Urban, I think, is, is, you know, it's not a surprise, but nice to kind of have a veteran presence on a defensive line that we talked about last week that, you know, I think is really, really good. But also really young, and then Michael Pierce, who is oft injured and you know hasn't played a lot of football in the last two, even three years, it feels like. So kind of have, good to have a veteran presence on that defensive line to rotate in and out there. Um, and then outside of that, you know, I just thought the practice squad was kind of interesting, that Melvin Gordon kind of sticks around um, in a practice squad role. You talk about running backs being undervalued. I mean, that guy, that guy was a, a pro bowler. Maybe a two-time pro two -time, bowler. Yeah. The, the, yeah, I'm thinking about it, and he's sitting on a practice squad now at his age, which is just, it's just how the state of the sport is. Um, I think the only, you know, we don't have to spend the time on the practice squad as we get into week one, but I think the, the only other big one that sticks out to me is Travis Vokalek, that he was able to kind of stick on this team, and, you know, God forbid any of these tight ends go down. Obviously, Charlie Kohler's already dealt with injuries as a, um, as a rookie. If he if he ends up getting hurt, if unfortunately somebody like a uh, you know like Isaiah Likely and God forbid Mark Andrews, Vokalek showed in the preseason that he could at least be serviceable uh, as a guy and you know to kind of fill in and be a supplementary supplementary piece. So I think you know it was good to see him kind of stay within the organization there. But outside of that, not not a ton of other thoughts on the practice squad. Yeah, Gordon getting through was interesting to me. I'm not going to be shocked if he ends up on the game day roster at some point uh, over the course of the season, just based on Ravens running back injury history. And then, yeah, the the Anthony Brown, that sort of developed today. Um, and with Josh Johnson, you know, making the active 53 man, to me that means he's Josh Johnson is probably your week one backup. Um, but I think it also probably speaks to letting Anthony Brown go 
they're also confident in obviously Huntley coming back and presumably one of him or Josh Johnson ending up back on the practice squad. Um, so that kind of stuck out to me. Um, like I mentioned, Gordon. And then the only other thing uh, to mention is we, we, we mentioned he was released. Caillou Kelly snapped up by the Seahawks through waivers. So, you know, one first round or not a first round pick, but a draft pick down. And, you know, this doesn't happen a ton with the Ravens, although I think I looked it up. The last three drafts, they've ended up drafting someone who doesn't end up, you know, playing for them. Tyler Beatty, I believe, was last year. Um, then we mentioned, I believe, Sean Wade the year before. Um, so kind of a more recent development, but it's one of those things where you're disappointed, but you're like, well, if they were at the point where they cut him, like, even if he made the team, like, clearly they weren't going to play him anyway. So <laughs> I don't know that it's really too much of a net negative, uh, but it, you know, you'd, you'd like to get at it would have been nice to trade him, I guess, or try to find a trade partner. Cause otherwise you kind of just threw a fifth round pick out the window <laughs> this year, but you know, it is what it is. It's also a fifth round pick. So good for him. Hopefully he catches on and has a good career, but uh, that that's just sort of you know uh, something that jumped out to me. Yeah, a few other names. The Ben Mason experiment continues. Uh, <laughs> unclear what this team is gonna do with him. Is he? Are they trying to stash him for when uh, Project Pat may have to go find uh, some fullback or tight end or defensive end roles elsewhere? I, I don't really know what the plan is with Mason, but he hangs around. Laquan Treadwell could see him playing important snaps uh late in in the year uh, the the dream of five we former first hurt, round draft by the way. picks melvin gordon laquan treadwell we're all talking about like these guys i said travis vocal like we are so hurt by injuries the last two years <laughs> that we're like these guys are probably good probably not maybe probably gonna be playing significant minutes in december we, we we've been hurt we're so hurt we're, we've been hurt so badly uh, yeah, you know, Jeremiah Moon, he gets a lot of push uh, on the outside, oh so who knows if he's going to be the starting edge rusher at some point. But, yeah, t- Tim is right. Hopefully none of these guys ever suit up. Um, but, yeah, Daryl Worley. Okay, all right, let's move on um, to <laughs> playoff team predictions. Let's get to some fun stuff. Super Bowl contenders. We're just going to kind of go through AFC and NFC and, and pick our – individual one through sevens uh, of who we think is going to the playoffs who's what's what the seating will look like and then we'll all be completely correct uh, about this when it comes to, to playoff time in january jace why don't you go first with your afc and kind of explain who you like who you kind of put maybe for a wild card that that may be a bit surprising or a, a team that'll make the postseason that nobody saw coming yeah, so I boxed. I realized in our discussion last week, I sort of boxed myself in uh, to to a certain order. I, I realized when I uh, I had the Bengals initially ahead of the Steelers as wild cards, I was like, that's not what I said last week. So I had to go back to the drawing board a little bit. So what I landed on is in the end, you know, I, I went with the Buffalo Bills number one, and this is mostly just born of. Uh, you know, I kind of pick a team. Someone's got to be number one. Can the Chiefs be the number one seed yet again? At some point, Patrick Mahomes has to play a road playoff game. He just does. He never has um, in five years as a starter. Someone has to Someone has to break the streak. And uh, so I, I still think the Bills are good. I actually think the Bills have been kind of, I, I think just the nature of how their season ended last year, with the DeMar Hamlin situation spilling over into the playoffs and then just kind of getting rocked at home by the Bengals, honestly. That was a pretty non-competitive game by them. 
I think it's kind of made people forget that this team's still really good and should be really good. And at some point, Von Miller should be back, right? And uh, I think they're still a really good team. I know they lost some 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 players on the defense, but I, I still think Josh Allen's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And I don't want to say it's a it's a it's a Bills time because I want it to be our time. But I'm going with the Bills at least uh, number one. But I am going with the Chiefs number two. They will win the AFC West. Um, Again, I, I don't believe in the Chargers. I, specifically, I don't believe in Brandon Staley. I think they have the quarterback the Chargers do to compete with uh, the Chiefs, but I don't. I don't. I just the rest of the operation leaves a lot to be desired. And when, when have the Chargers ever fulfilled their potential in the history of their franchise? <laughs> so uh, I'm going with the Chiefs to win, and kind of the same, I guess, just to touch on the rest of the AFC East. Um, I, I, I just like the Bills. I, I, I'm not a fan of the Jets, as I'll reveal in a moment. <laughs> uh, and um, Patches, I think, are going to be bad. So I think like that's two free wins for the Bills. Um, and, and the Dolphins, I do think, will make the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, to, to sort of move into that, as I said last week, I picked the Ravens to win the division, to win the AFC North. And so I'm giving uh, the Ravens the three seed. Um, and I just sort of by default giving the Jaguars the the four seed maybe the Titans can win we'll just say winner of AFC South will be the number four seed uh in the AFC this year I I won't be absolutely shocked if the Titans have a bounce back season they were what seven and two seven and three midway through last year and I believe like the AFC's number one seed before they just completely fell apart down the stretch um but I went with the Jags, you know, they took a big leap. I think Trevor Lawrence is keep getting better. And then for my wild cards, I said I'm high on the Steelers. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers as your number five, number one wild card. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals, number two wild card, because I'm too much of a coward to have them miss the playoffs entirely. And for the final seed, I debated between the Dolphins and the Jets, and I just went with the Dolphins, because I think if Tua can stay healthy, which is admittedly a big if, I just think this is a really good roster. I know they don't have Jalen Ramsey, but they did bring in Vic Fangio, and he should improve their defense. I think their offense is going to be really good. If Tua stays healthy, Tyreek Hill, Tua, Jalen Waddle, it's going to be nasty. And they can probably, you know, Mike McDaniel will find ways for them to run the ball. I think they're going to be good. Um, I kind of, I guess, put them at seven almost as a hedge. They probably should be higher because if they reach their potential, I think they're better than probably the Steelers and the Bengals. But... Tua's health does concern me, and I think that's kind of what might ultimately hold the Dolphins back is just that unknown. But I think they're really good. So I ended up going with them over the Jets just because I know there's been a lot of Jets hype, but, I, you know, I think the path's hard. The Jets' schedule's really hard right out of the gate. Um, and so they could start slow, and that division's tough. And I don't know. It just it, Rodgers turns 40 years old in December. Is he going to be... Are we getting the Rodgers from two years ago when he won the MVP or the Rodgers last year who wasn't all that good? I think that still remains to be seen. So that's why I couldn't put the Jets in that final spot. Uh, Let me just jump off that point here because the AFC East to me I think is interesting. And, you know, call it North glasses or whatever you want. I think the (laughs) AFC North is far and away the toughest division in the entire league this year. And there's been a lot of hype for the AFC East. Um you know, I don't see it with the Patriots. You know, we don't have to break that down again. I'm crushing <laughs> the draft, by the way, if you're in here. Um, but I, there's two main points that Jace kind of touched on there. With I'll start with the Jets because that's, that's where you finished. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be good in New York. I do. 
but the amount of people that are just sweeping the offensive line under the rug is, is crazy to me. Where, well, the offensive line could be a worry, but Garrett Wilson, the you know, the offensive line could be a worry, but the defense, but Aaron Rodgers, the offensive line cripples teams. If you have a horrible, bad to horrible offensive line, you're not going to get anything done, no matter how good the skill positions are, no matter how good the quarterback is. Uh, you know, it, it just doesn't work if you can't protect. And I think that is just too big of a question mark for me um, to the point where I don't have – I have one AFC East team in the playoffs for me, and that's the Bills. And what I look at with the Bills is I think they're a talented roster. I, I think some of the – Oh, it's just Josh Allen, and Josh Allen's going to win you 10 games, I think is a little overblown. I think they, they had talent in a lot of other spots. Excuse me, along uh, you know every aspect of that team. And they are the example of looking at the AFC West last year. Do you remember the <laughs> AFC West conversation last year where nobody wanted to pick the Chiefs because it was Russell Wilson time, let Russ cook in Denver. It was the Raiders with Josh McDaniels, which – Finally, everybody's off that, thank God. Of uh, This Raiders team was going to be something, and then the Chargers weren't going to charge her with like, some like high school coach as their offensive coordinator. It, it was all going to be incredible. It was all going to be amazing. This division might be the best division we've ever seen in National Football League history. Oh, no, never mind. The Chiefs just won it and then won the Super Bowl. That's where I'm going with the Bills here. I think they're just going to run that division, and I think – I think the Patriots are competitive. I think the Jets are good. And I think the Dolphins, it's Tua. We'll see. I think Mike McDaniel is a fantastic coach. And even without Tua, the offense will be fine. And the defense under Vic Fangio, like Jay said, you know, I, I like the Dolphins a lot. But I have the Bills as my only AFC East playoff team. I have them as the second seed for me. I, I'm just, I'm not betting against the Chiefs. It's like betting Mahomes to win MVP. <laughs> I'm just not doing it. I'm not doing it. Because I think that that team is... You know, the Chris Jones stuff is a doubt. Maybe they got too cute with wide receiver, thinking that Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore, and Kadarius Toney and Justin Ross could do it. By the way, uh, we've tried that. It doesn't work, <laughs> although they have Patrick Mahomes and we have Lamar Jackson, and I know I'm going to get roasted for that, but Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is, you know, arguably the most talented quarterback to ever play the position. Um Maybe they got too cute. Maybe the Chris Jones thing is unsolvable. Maybe the defense finally crumbles. I, I'm not going to be the guy that picks against the Chiefs as the number one seed. You know, I, I want them to prove me wrong in the negative before I pick against them at this point. So I'm picking Chiefs there, Bills too. <clears throat> Call it a homer pick. Screw it. I'm picking the Ravens as the third seed. Like, we're, we're winning the North, the most competitive division in football. It's going to be ground and pound and tough and there's going to be some games that are going to look awesome and there's going to be some games that are 15 13 and we squeak out a win against the arizona cardinals in arizona and it's like how, how why was that a two-point game i don't know it's a win it doesn't matter move on and we'll just rant and rave about it in the following monday on pod like a raven here or you know releasing tuesdays on your favorite podcast platform i'm just i'm picking the third seed ravens i'm high on it i'm excited i want to be excited i don't want to be negative about this team going in um and then you know as jay said Pick your AFC South winner. I'm picking the Titans. And I'm picking the Titans because the Jaguars are the Jaguars. Yeah, the <laughs> Jaguars stink. They smell like that pool that's in the stadium. I, and I don't, like, I don't have any other reason other than that, that they're just the Jaguars. I get it with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's incredible. I think Doug Peterson's a great coach for him. I think that there is talent in a lot of areas. Calvin Ridley, 
Hasn't played in a while, guys. I know he's good, but he hasn't played in a very long time. And Mike Vrabel is a hell of a football coach, as much as we dislike the Titans. I think they, you know, 9-8, and eight, even 8-9, eight and nine, and maybe win that division <laughs> if it gets really, really crappy with the Jags. Um, and then my wildcard teams here, as I mentioned before, I, I could see Dolphins. I still have a, I still have trouble seeing Jets. I really do. And then Patriots, I don't believe in. Um, but and God, please, I, it, if that team gets good again, it's just going to be so annoying. <laughs> I just don't want it, so I'm not going to let it here. I'm going three teams in the AFC North in, in the wild card here. Um, the fifth seed, I'm going the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that they're just an incredible team, ready to win now, um, and. You know, I, they're making the playoffs, guys, as much as we don't want to see it. And then I'm with Jace, too. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. I don't know if you heard that before. <laughs> and I think it's going to be enough for them to sneak into the playoffs. I got them as the seventh seed because I hate it. I don't know why I'm doing it. But with the sixth seed, I'm going to pick the L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers <laughs> are just like... They're 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 just the sexy team every I mean, they, year. They're, they're, they should the make the want. playoffs. Like they if you look at that roster, <laughs> that right. team they should sh- make the playoffs. <laughs> but they want like I just I just went on this whole diatribe about the Jaguars being the Jaguars, and then yet I'm picking the Chargers to make the playoffs <laughs> when the Chargers constantly charger. I I get that I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but I think I think that Kellen Moore addition for the Chargers as the offensive coordinator coming over from Dallas is going to be. So much bigger than anybody's even talking about right now, and I'm sure some people have, and the Chargers podcast, Pod Like a Charger, has pro- definitely you know been all over this all offseason, and I'm glad for it. I think Justin Herbert emerges. I think this team is, is ready to roll, and they finally make a playoff berth. We get to see Justin Herbert in the postseason, which I think will be fun. So that is my AFC. Uh, Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, Titans, Bengals, Chargers, Steelers is my seven there. See, this is good. This is an important moment uh, in the history of this show because I maybe for the third time ever am, am putting the Ravens, I'm cooling things down a little bit in Baltimore oh, no. uh, with my with my seeds. And I'm, I'm always, you know, Ravens everything. They're going to win every game. They could win every game. I said that once uh, on an episode here after the 14-2 and two season. I think in previewing the next year I said, it's feasible that this team could win every game. However, they are not winning the AFC North this year um because i think the bengals just continue this i mean control uh, of the division i actually have the bengals as the two seed you guys said a lot of things that i agree with and then a couple things that i disagree with um chiefs are the number one seed jace i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry to tell you uh i have the bengals at two i think the ravens cover their win total i think they go over the ten and a half wins and still end up as a wild card with 11 wins Maybe even 12, um, but the Bengals end up having the tiebreaker where they have one more win and they secure the two seed. Have the Bills at three. A little bit of a drop-off, but not the panic button that, that a lot of media has been talking about with them. Uh, I have the Jags at four, Tim. And I'm, I'm not in on the Titans. I've heard a lot of lot of bulls, uh, a lot of bullish conversation around Tennessee, and here's the only thing I can think of. They had Ryan Tannehill... And they said, let's draft a quarterback of the future. And then they went another year in the draft, and they immediately said, let's stock up here and get another quarterback of the future. I don't think this team believes in the starting quarterback that they currently have, and that's very odd to me. He should be coming back riding the start that they had the year before and thinking that they can do the same exact thing. 
they got like 18 guys behind Tannehill just waiting for their opportunity to come in. There's a scenario that Tannehill does good, that Derrick Henry is the same Derrick Henry, which, by the way, that end, that drop-off is coming. It will come at some point. Father time, undefeated, it's happening. People have been saying it for the last three years, and he keeps showing up. Is it this year? Maybe. But it's possible that Tannehill starts off well, and they end up riding, and they win that. You know, they win their division with ten games. I think there's a lot of scenarios where they are halfway through the season, and they start bringing in these other quarterbacks to see what they have and see what they can develop there. So I just I can't go in with so much confidence for the Titans to win a division based on their own assessment of their team's needs uh, fairly high in the draft. So Jags at four for me. Who knows with how many wins. I got the Ravens as the five seed, top wild card, probably with a better record than Jacksonville, maybe a better record than the Bills or similar record than the Bills, um, but having to settle for a wild card. I got the Dolphins uh, at six. It's a two conversation. Does he stay healthy? They'll, they'll snag a wild card, I think, if he does for the majority of the season. Uh, I put the Chargers 7th. I wanted to put the Jets. I thought about it because I agree with Tim that I think Rodgers is going to be good. But how many weeks into the season, Tim, after he's been sacked and hit and there's miscommunication between his left guard and his left tackle, that he just starts getting pissy and, like, gets annoyed and throws everything. It's all checkdowns, and he's staring at the sidelines, and he's throwing himself to the ground to make sure he doesn't get hit too much. I don't know. And then their start, you both mentioned the schedule. Here it is to start for the Jets. Uh, Ooh, almost had the wrong one. That would have been good. Jets schedule to start. Home against Buffalo, at Dallas, home against New England, home against Kansas City, at Denver, home against Philly. Then a bye in week seven. (laughs) A little bit earlier than you'd want your bye. That's a tough six. (laughs) That's a potential one and five, (laughs) two and four. Uh... And boy, will the New York media, media be having fun so early with that with that rough start. So I'm sticking with the Chargers. Um, and after all these arguments I've made, I believe I have the same exact seven teams in the postseason. So that's not going to happen because that never does happen year after year after year. But uh, but this year it will. Uh, and those are your seven your seven seeds in the AFC. Um Let's go to the NFC. Unless there's any uh, objections, any fights that you guys want to pick, I don't. I don't want to pick any fights because I, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with. You know, my Titans pick is more betting against the rest of the NFC or AFC South. Like I just, Vrabel is just an incredible coach at getting those guys to be competitive in almost every single game, and injuries derailed them. The Tannehill point's a brilliant one. They've drafted two QBs of the future behind him, and they don't believe in the guy and. He has a massive cap hit. It's probably his last year there. I just think Vrabel has enough. It's the it's the Vrabel piece and the Jaguars being the Jags piece. They combine together, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just taking the Titans. I'm just doing it. It it almost in a weird way is safe, even though it's not safe if you look at the odds makers and what have you. But that that that's my only reasoning there. But again, I I, I don't you know the Jaguars are probably winning that division. I just something about it just stinks to me. I'll go first uh, with the NFC here. Maybe we'll go in reverse order. I'm only sending six teams to the postseason in the (laughs) NFC because I'm so annoyed at uh, the talent disparity between the AFC and the NFC, specifically at the quarterback position. So I'm going to ask my my two co-hosts after I'm done here to just, I don't know, pitch me on who deserves to get a playoff spot. 
uh, so that I can complain about them not being deserving. Um, so I have six teams, and I'm stopping. It's the Eagles as the number one seed. Boy, some future bets on them winning the NFC are tasty, and I know the numbers, the odds aren't great for it, but it seems like it's them, and then there's a little bit of space uh, for two through four uh, in the NFC, and there's question marks with all these other teams where the Eagles do not have so many of those question marks uh, and load it up in, in the draft again. Um, so Eagles as the number one seed. I have the 49ers second. I can't wait to hear what Jace has to say about this, but there's too much talent. The coaching staff is good. There's too much talent, so I don't even care who the quarterback is as long as it's not Christian McCaffrey. Like That's the only <laughs> issue for me. If it's a quarterback playing the quarterback position, I think they're going to win 12, 13 games uh, and secure the, the number two seed. Now here I want all the listeners to turn their audio up because it's about to get hot and heavy. Um, it's the Vikings as the three seed. Guess what? Vikings are going to regress at least three games, and they're still going to win the NFC North. I do not love their competition. I have the Packers actually getting into the playoffs as a wild card, not with the strongest record, kind of like a 9-8, and 10-7 and seven team. And I think the Vikings still have the best quarterback. I think they still have the best infrastructure. And I'm not doing anything. I can't do the Lions until I see it. I'm not touching the Lions until I see it. It's been literal decades, uh, some years with with more hype than others, but um, I'm just going to wait to be wrong on them. And I have the Vikings not winning. Were they win 13 games last year? I don't have them winning 13 games, but I do have them winning 10 and winning the NFC North with it. I have the Saints as the fourth seed because they not they may not even win ten games. They may win nine and secure the South handily with with nine wins. So that's where I'm going for the fourth seed. The Cowboys, uh, a similar situation to the Ravens. They may have a better record than several of the division winners, but they follow the Eagles, uh, so they have to snag a wild card spot as the fifth seed. And then I have the Packers coming in uh, as the sixth, and that's it. Guys, uh, <laughs> couldn't do the Giants. I don't. I don't really like what they're doing. Couldn't do the Lions. Uh, who else? And the Seahawks. I, Tim and I were talking about this pre-show. I don't, I'm, I'm waiting for the Geno Smith, like one-hit wonder to to come to fruition. They were nine and eight last year. They started well and they kind of fizzled and came back down to reality late. I think that flips. I think they end up going like 8-9, and nine, and they're a very similar team to the year before, but not enough to, to grab a playoff spot. So that's where I'm stopping. So, uh, yeah, Tim, let's have you go next, and then we'll have J- Jace close so that he can uh, knock me down a few pegs with the 49ers specifically. But well, Tim, we, we, we may be adjusting some, <laughs> some standings on the fly. <laughs> you make some good arguments, Antonio. <laughs> uh, Tim, who do you have in the NFC, and then who should I have as my seventh playoff team? So let me start with that question, actually. Um, and I, I have the Seahawks as the seventh seed, as, as you mentioned there. And my first reason is, Antonio, if you look at the rule book, a seventh team literally has to make the playoffs. And the NFC is such garbage that an eight and nine Seahawks team might make the playoffs. You're saying that they're going to be an eight and nine team. That might be good enough for a beast quake. Coast into the wild the card. Saints, like years ago, just coasting in at eight and nine because the rest is just dross. I mean, 
if you look at these divisions, the NFC South is just full of nothing. The NFC West, as you mentioned, again, the Seahawks. I'll just start here. They play the Rams and the Cardinals four times. Four times. The Cardinals are easily going to be the worst team in the National Football League. I don't know if you have a fire in your belly or if you've seen anything from John, <laughs> Jonathan Gannon. Pew, pew, pew. But, oh, my Lord, that guy is going to be a disaster. Although we did, fair enough, we thought Nick Sirianni was going to be a disaster too. Ended up being a hell of a football coach. But the fire in your belly, did you drive here? Did you take a bus? He was asking NFL players if they took a bus to practice. Nobody takes a bus to practice. Whatever. It's the whole thing. Shout out that social media team for absolutely burying their own coach. Um, so, yeah, they got they got four wins in the bag right there. The Rams, you know, by week five, Aaron Donald could be like, I'm just going to retire, guys. Cooper Cup ain't healthy. And Matt Stafford, you know, messed up his spine last year, I'm pretty sure, was the injury. And that guy's been through hell when it comes to injuries as well. So th- there's my seventh seed. But let's go back to the top here. Uh, I'm kind of with you on the top two. The Eagles are great. The Eagles might have the best offense in the National Football League. Their schedule is relatively tough. And then their defense, they just went and drafted Jalen Carter with the ninth overall pick, and he's probably the best player in this draft class. Um, Him and and, um, Jordan Davis in the middle. You got all those pass rushers, although obviously I think their pass rush is going to regress just a little bit. Still have the corners. um, You know, they will never say it because of the Vince Young quote about the dream team when he was the backup quarterback years ago with the Eagles, but this is kind <laughs> of as much of a dream team roster as you want. And speaking of that, Sands quarterback, the Niners are the same way. The Niners, if you take out the most important position in the National Football League, they have far and away the most talented roster in the National Football League. Um, you know, I actually have a ticket on Seahawks to win that division, and it is purely because the odds were really good. And because I don't know if I trust Brock Purdy and or Sam Darnold yet, who is getting a lot of buzz, is taken over by like week four um, if Brock Purdy doesn't produce. But the Niners just far and away have that incredible talent that I can't bet against. And I just want to watch that defense every week. So I'm going to be following them. And and I think that is the one-two punch there, just like Antonio did. uh, Eagles-Niners. For the third seed, call it the Kool-Aid. I'm taking the Packers, and I'm not taking the Packers as, like, 11-6. and six. I, had, I still have to keep doing the 17-game math. Packers. <laughs> I'm taking it as the 9-8 the and eight Packers are better than whoever wins the NFC South, and they grab the third seed because that's the disparity between the AFC and the NFC, that the Packers at 9-8 and eight would most likely be a third seed for, for how this NFC is uh, played out. I think there's a lot of talent on that defense. I don't trust their defensive coordinator, but – Hopefully, talent wins out. I think they've all Jordan Love has to do is be manageable. And Matt LaFleur, as as I talked about last week in the over-under pod, Matt LaFleur gets to run his offense now without Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things. And if Jordan Love can fit into that offense and be good, not even great, but good, and keep them in games and make necessary throws when he has to make them, not not turn the ball over, I think that Packers team actually can win this division. Um and then I have the Saints. I talked about the Saints last week as well. Go back and listen for the whole rundown of the quarterbacks they play. They have one of the easiest schedules in the, in the NFL. And I, I'm going to regret saying this. I trust Derek Carr more than anybody else <laughs> in that division. Because the other the rest of that division is Bryce Young, talented, but it's going to get you know turned into dust by week seven because the offensive line is bad and he's very small. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> 
just listen to any any episode of Pod Like a Raven before this. Any single, anyone, pick one. Pick one out of the library and you'll know my thoughts on Baker Mayfield. And then Desmond Ritter, who is not good. And I don't get the Falcons hype. I, I, I just don't understand it. The defense is not that great. The Bijan Robinson, or Bijan Robinson, excuse me, is a very talented player, but they already had a 1,000-yard rusher in Tyler Algier as a rookie. They didn't need that position. Drake London, eh, fine. Kyle Pitts hasn't really shown up. That, I just Arthur Smith is a good coach, but I don't see this Falcons hype. I don't see it of how they're going to be this playoff team. They're going to like be this resurgent side. They don't have the talent for me. Um, and so I just... I. I the Saints kind of get in just like the Packers, sort of by default. That being said, I'll move to my wild cards here. Obviously, Seahawks 7 seed. I'm going the Cowboys, the 5 seed. I think the Cowboys, all the talk will be about Dak, and all the talk will be about the weapons and the offensive line. But that's not where this talk should be. It is the defense for this team. The defense is loaded. Micah Parsons might be the best defensive player in the NFL. He's, he's unquestionably top five. They've got a great secondary. Even taking out the Javon Diggs, like, because I don't know if I rate Trevon Diggs as a top, top flight cornerback because he, he gets burned for a lot of the risks that he takes. But they just added Stephon Gilmore on the other side, a former defensive player of the year in 2019. So they have talent all over the field uh, on that defense. And I think that's what's going to propel them to the playoffs, not the um, not not the offense and not Dak, which is going to be you know every first take on a Monday morning. And then for me, a team that I think a lot of people are sleeping on, I don't actually disagree with Antonio here, and he might have the right order. I'm taking the Vikings. The Vikings were 13-4 and four last year. Yeah, they won a lot of stupid games. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. I get it. But, the yeah, the defense was not very good. But the Vikings were one of the best teams in the NFL record-wise last year. And as we mentioned last week on the Over-Unders pod, I just don't see this, what is it, five-game regression, I think, that the Over-Unders were talking about there with the Minnesota Vikings. I think that they're going to play a first-place schedule, obviously, because they won the division last year. But that team is good enough in a weak NFC to make the playoffs. So, again, Eagles, Niners, Packers, Saints, Cowboys, Vikings, Seahawks for me in the NFC, which just... Yeah, as Antonio mentioned at the top of all this, is infuriating because the Ravens are better than at least five of those teams easily, maybe six. Well, that that was for me. I started Eagles one, I think fairly easily. I did think about the Cowboys for a few minutes. I thought, can they they there's a path, I think, at least for the Cowboys to potentially win the NFC East. It's not impossible, I don't think. But I am a little scared about the Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy basically running the offense more transition. And, uh, you know, we mentioned Kellen Moore in passing. I kind of thought he was very unfairly blamed for things that went wrong in Dallas. He produced two number one offenses during his time leading the Cowboys uh, as offensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, that's what happens when you're, you're the Cowboys and you have one mediocre year on offense. You kind of get the blame and get showed the door. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, so I did settle on the Eagles, and then this is where the trouble immediately started for me because, uh, yeah, I think the Eagles are so clearly the best team in the NFC that, like, <laughs> the whole remainder of, like, the whole rest of the, uh, the order, I just, I didn't know what to land on. Antonio, you mentioned the 49ers and the talent they have, and I might be regretting it, but I put <laughs> for now the Seahawks in the number two. I Wow. I... I I think I just fell too in love with that team last year. You know, 
the, the kind of out of nowhere season, af- post Russ, bunch of rookies, Geno Redemption Tour, Kenneth Walker was fun to watch. They had a lot of things going for it. Tariq Wollin, right, on the back end. And, and I think, you know, they're young and building, and that excited me, but I think you may be right. I may be a little too excited, but I'll stick by my guns for now and say Seahawks number two, because it's just hard to win the same division year after year. And I still, I think I've said it on the show. Uh, Brock Purdy was the literal last pick in the draft, and he's just he's just never going to lose a game again. Like at some point, he ha- doesn't he have to show he's the guy he was for his entire college career? Uh, something has something has to matter, right, about what you put on tape. But I don't know that that's been breaking my brain. So I, I think the the Purdy Sam Darnold one two combination for a team everyone's like, yeah, this team can make the Super Bowl. It's just really competing in my head. That being said, does that mean I'm picking Geno Smith two seed? I guess I am. And that's where sort of my argument falls apart. Um, I ended up going with the Saints in the three spot instead of the four, just kind of by virtue of I, what pretty much what Tim said. I just, the rest of the NFC South, I think is really bad. The Bucks have a real path to being, I think, one of the worst teams in the, the NF, NFL. Uh, if it's if it if it's in fact not time to bake, uh, and Baker flops and then they're turning to Kyle Trask, um, I think the the Bucks could go south in a hurry. I, I I'm with Tim. I don't trust Desmond Ritter, and I, I think even, even beyond that, I just think the Falcons aren't that great. I think the Panthers have a pretty good roster, although now I saw in passing I didn't get the full story. Brian Burns isn't he making some contract noise all of a sudden and. Uh, I saw something about that in passing today. And, and then besides that, it's just Bryce Young. I don't know. He's such an unknown. Um, he could be good enough for the Panthers to win this division, but I just don't trust it quite yet. Um, and then the four seed, I am, I'm also going with the Packers to win. I, I've been high on the Packers. I think they're being underrated. I, I don't trust the Lions. In fact, I don't have the last spoiler. I do not have the Lions making the playoffs. Um, but, but I think the Packers roster is really good. It kind of all hinges on Jordan Love. He showed some flashes in games last year, and he's looked pretty good this preseason. You just kind of have to see it. You know, Christian Watson kind of came on strong at the end of last year, but their skill positions aren't that great. But I think the rest of the roster is pretty good. The offensive line is real solid. There should be. I think the defense can be pretty good. Um, a few things they need to figure out. So then obviously I have, with my probably mistake pick of the Seahawks at two, uh, 49ers are my top wild card and probably should be the number two seed. The 49ers will make the playoffs. Um, and, and then I have the Cowboys too, because I, I, like I said, there's a there's an argument or a path for the Cowboys being winning the NFC East. I don't see it happening, but I'd be really surprised if the Cowboys don't make the playoffs. I, I think it's a pretty good team, pretty well-rounded team all the way around. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, I'm with you guys. My final, my seventh pick is the Vikings. Um, I have the Vikings making the playoffs as well. For all the reasons I know we talked about the regression, they they won 13 games with a negative point differential. But that being said, the offense is basically the same. Like, Dalvin Cook is gone, but they draft Jordan Addison. You look at their depth chart, their top three wide receivers are Justin Jefferson, who might be the best non-quarterback in the entire NFL. <laughs> uh, it's Justin Jefferson, it's KJ Osborne, and it's Jordan Addison. And they brought in TJ Hawkinson. It's a pretty great skill group. Who they just paid, by the way. Yeah, and, and Kirk loved throwing to him. And that's the... I, I think the Vikings hate just comes back to 
comes back to number eight. Comes back to Kirk Cousins. You know, he's an easy guy to make fun of. He's never going to win the Super Bowl. I think that's okay to say. Uh, he's just, he's just not. It's just not going to happen. But Kirk is a good quarterback at the same time, and he's easy to cloud on and he's easy to hate, but he's a good player. He can contribute the ball to that talent, and their offense should be nasty. <laughs> and so I think that's enough to get that, that kind of final playoff seed. I don't think the defense will be great, but, you know, it wasn't good last year. They won 13 games. So I think just just looking at everything after the Eagles just made me so upset. Like, that's why I ended up with Saints in three. I'm just like, well, so someone's going to just accumulate a lot of wins because this – this conference is just so whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's just so, so many question marks on so many teams. Like, I mean, Tim, you mentioned like the Cardinals are going to be awful. The bears were the worst team in the NFL last year. The Rams are a huge question mark. The entire NFC South is bad. (laughs) Like the commanders are going to stink. It's, uh, there's just so much. It seems like easy wins on the schedule for some of these teams. So, that's kind of, I think, what makes this whole exercise hard is trying to think of, like, how will the cross divisions play out? And if the NFC, the top teams at NFC just end up with actually way more wins, maybe that's a case to vote Eagles best record, regular season record or something. Because it's like, someone's going to have to win these games. And it feels like the top of the NFC is just, has, like, like the Eagles could start planning their home playoff date <laughs> yeah, in January already. Like, it feels like this season's so much of a, like, a formality, basically. I pulled up the standings from last season to to further try to eviscerate Jace's point about the Seahawks finishing ahead of the 49ers in the West <laughs> this year. Um, and what I ended up finding, as as you do when you uh, you know you, you act as an investigative journalist, is the story took me somewhere else. So the first thing I noticed was the 49ers with a uh, point differential of a plus 173, and the Seattle Seahawks plus six. Uh, I'm not. I'm not concerned, Jace, about my about my decision as long as the 49ers have an actual well, human being. The one thing that they they do need to get Nick Bosa in the building that uh, is dragging on. That's becoming a problem for them. But that being said, they do bring in Javon Hargrave in the offseason. Eric Armstead's still there. The, the, you know, Fred Warner in the middle. Their defense is probably still going to be nasty. Uh, the offensive line. I was looking at their depth chart as we recorded here. Uh, a lot more names you probably have never heard of outside of Trent Williams, but. You know, unless you're you're in the tape, that's such a hard thing to sort of to sort of judge. And Kyle Shanahan seems to create room in ways certainly our old offensive coordinator did not. So, um, yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm probably I'm probably off base in this, but I, I just wanted to mix it up because I was like, I can't just get, I I could I guess, but just saying Eagles 49ers again, <laughs> like Vikings, just running it all back seems. I wanted to spice it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, so in looking at the standings as a whole, I see one, two, I think four teams made it to the postseason last year with a negative point differential (laughs) and the Seahawks made it with a plus six point differential. Um, Giants, Vikings, Bucks, and Dolphins all had a negative point differential. The Seahawks had plus six, which is fairly close, and then just giant numbers uh, after that for the some of the division winners. I think this is just a story of the 17th game and the seventh playoff team that we're getting these dominant teams at the top, and then this just mess in the middle, and then disaster shows at the bottom. 
and I don't think it does good for the league. Uh, you know, I guess money is good. Adding weeks to the season is good, and money and all that great stuff, but I don't know how the product has looked, at least, you know, one year in of 17 games and the seventh playoff seed. Um, and we'll see if it balances out a little bit this year. You, you'd want to have more actual good football teams in your playoffs as opposed to just <laughs> we have to have seven so with that i'm not making a seventh pick i don't want to take the giants uh i'm not convinced i can't do seattle and then the other two divisions are just what's going on so i'm stopping at six so i just i'm gonna take an x i have officially have one spot incorrect uh for the playoffs <laughs> for this season um and, I, and i'm gonna live with that decision uh, all right, let's do a little Raven Super Bowl odds. Let's get back to, to our favorite team here. The Baltimore Ravens, officially at plus 1,800 to win the Super Bowl. 18 to 1 uh, for, for the novice gamblers out there to win the Super Bowl. And I'm going to read a paragraph that I prepped, and I'm going to let my co-hosts agree, disagree, uh, offer their rebuttal, uh, and what have you. But... The way that I framed whether or not to legally place a wager on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl at plus 1,800 was, uh, why can they win it, why won't they win, and why will they? So I'm going to go through those three fairly quickly, uh, and then I'm, I'm curious to hear what my co-hosts have to say. So the first question, why can they win it? Because Lamar Jackson is the starting quarterback of their football team. That's it. That's all I wrote. If he's healthy, if he plays, they can win every single football game that they play in, so they can win it with him. Why won't they? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Lamar misses football games. We're starting Daryl Worley by week six. He's currently on the practice squad. The pass rush is non-existent. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. pulls a hamstring in week four and misses two months. Todd Munkin's offense removes Lamar's strengths and highlights his weaknesses, which is I'm 1% afraid of that as we get into the first month of this season. And then any other injuries and all that happens every year to every team. So I'm going to stop there why they won't. Why will they? Lamar plays 17 games, or maybe 16 games would be just fine. The offense is even just slightly more dynamic than it was last year. We do not need to be a completely new thing. We just need to add a few wrinkles and be able to convert third and eight consistently <laughs> through the air. The O-line is a strength, and the weapon additions to the offense are legitimate. The defense holds up just enough in most games. The D-line forces opposing offenses to be one-dimensional when they can't run the ball. And Owe and Ojabo take small steps forward in the pass rush. The team trades for a corner mid-season, and they're a force by January, and watch out when it comes to postseason football. That's why they will. Now, guys, why can they, why won't they, why will they? What are your thoughts? I think the why won't they that sticks out to me is sort of the hand-in-hand -hand issue we've been harping on, which is can they cover... And I think growing greater in my mind the closer we get to the season is, can they rush the passer? Um, that That is even concerning me, I think, more than the secondary at this point, because Marlon should come back. But it's just possible that Odafe Owe is what he is, and he comes back with another sterling three-sack season. 
And Ajabo didn't make much. He didn't play a ton, but he didn't make much noise in the preseason either. What if he's super raw? And we know we've we talked at length about uh, what Jadavion Clowney is not really, which is, you know, a double-digit sack guy. Um, and I think just in this division where you're playing, you know, Burrow twice, he's back practicing. No luck, him missing week two. Uh, um, you're, you're playing Deshaun Watson, who, you know, I don't know what to expect from him. I have to imagine it's slightly better than last year. Uh, we'll see, I guess. And then Kenny Pickett, who somehow gave them problems at times as a rookie, uh, which was very annoying. Um, and if he takes a step, like, they have some decent quarterbacks in their division. And it's like, if they just can't rush the passer, like, the way offense goes these days. And, and, and I guess this speaks as the hand-in-hand thing with the back end, like, covering. Because, you know, but if, if they just get nothing... It could be a long year because I don't think they do have the the guys on the back end to cover if if every quarterback has five seconds to throw <laughs> against this team. Um, so that's the thing that jumps out to me. But uh, I think you nailed why they can. Uh, Lamar Jackson's forty five and sixteen as a starter, and uh, you know I think he's a guy who has something to prove this year. I think in the national consciousness, he's been surpassed and i think with good reason certainly by his peer obviously mahomes is in a whole different tier but you know i think most national fans would probably say a guy like burrow's probably better than him a guy like josh allen's probably better than him i think some a lot of people would say and he can prove those guys wrong he is a former mvp he's very talented he rarely loses when he plays and he hasn't played a game in december basically in two years so it's like you know i think he's gonna be interested there's no contract stuff looming over him it's just all about ball this season and i think that's a good place to be so um i I share your slight concerns with the monkin thing and i guess just another you know they won't you kind of mentioned with the obj pulls a hamstring it might not come together just given the history of this team and receivers like we've talked about zay flowers a lot it's possible he has a run-of-the-mill Ravens rookie season <laughs> of about four to 500 yards, which would be great, but also, like, like 300, 400 yards and four touchdowns. It's like, congratulations. Does that, how much does that move the needle? Um, so I think those are the things I kind of, uh, kind of sh- uh, focus on. But, yeah, I think it's all, for better or worse, I think it's all in Lamar, and he's the biggest reason. Like, if he just, you know, if he goes off in January and gets to January – they could, they could, they could win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to harp on a lot of the stuff that's already been said. Um, the secondary for me is problem one, two, three, and four. Um, I think that without Marlon Humphrey, especially coming in to start the year, and hopefully he's back early. Obviously not placed on IR. I think that could be a real problem for this Ravens team um, that they're giving up 450 yards a game and through the air, and they, you know, you can't win every shootout. Um, so that's that's one for for the won't. A couple more that have kind of been talked around here in terms of won't. Um, the Lamar new contract also comes with new pressure. Like this is not just a you know everybody and their brother in the media. Why didn't you pay him? Why didn't you pay him? Why didn't you pay him? You know what the talk is now on Monday morning if he throws two picks, two horrendous picks. Which by the way, we all love him, but there's been some horrendous interceptions and turnovers from Lamar Jackson uh, throughout his time in Baltimore. 
that that is a whole new conversation now that you're the man. It, it is it is not a well he worked it out you know some bad turnovers but they still want an ugly game hopefully they can rebound next week and we all love him still yada yada it is what the hell is this guy doing we gave him the keys to the franchise and now he's costing us games that that conversation turns real negative real quickly now that you're the guy now that that you are not only the guy in our hearts but you're the guy in our wallets too <laughs> because because of how much you've been paid so i think that that is that is certainly something that you know it was we all wanted to get paid it was good but now the the pressure of that i don't think it's getting talked about enough and also the todd munkin stuff look it might be a good offensive system it might everybody be healthy the talent might be there it might just not work for the first season it might take it, a whole new philosophy might be too much of a change I, I not even to the point i think antonio made a good point of maybe it's taking away some of lamar's strengths it might not even be that it might still suit his strengths but because it is so new it just takes too long to get used to and in a brutal afc they're staring down the barrel of a bad record and and, and a tough home stretch and trying to figure out like hey we need to get some big wins in a lot of these big primetime games four primetime games out of five like halfway towards the middle late end of the year there and you know it might be too little too late for this Ravens team there um they can and they will I'll kind of loop together the Lamar Jackson point you guys make like he just he has an MVP season again and it all works out um and OBJ is the OBJ we saw the last time he was on a football field which was the Super Bowl two years ago where he was he was on his way to Super Bowl MVP if he didn't tear his ACL in that game Zay Flowers is like, oh my God, they hit on one. And he's actually, you know, th- there's Tyreek Hill comparisons. I don't see that. But, like, there's a-, a guy that every time he touches the ball, you think he's going to the house. And you know the last time I knew that in a Ravens uniform? The guy played freaking defense. It was Ed Reed. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think that there might be something there. J.K. Dobbins actually, you know, stops whining for once in his life and, you know, contributes in any sore sort of real tangible way to this football team rather than talking about how much he thinks he can contribute actually contributing Rashad Bateman is who Rashad Bateman thinks he is and then David Ajabo and Adafi Owe step up and are presences and Jadavion Clowney is kind of that it's a bad comparison because it's not the same type of player but makes the veteran impact that some of these veterans that the Ravens have signed do a on the offensive side of the ball an Anquan Bolden type impact on the defensive side of the ball, an Elvis Doomerville-type impact, where it's not, you know, he's not going to get the sacks that Doomerville did. Doomerville was sack, sack, sack the quarterback, couldn't do anything else. But Jadavion Clowney is mentoring those guys in Adafi Owe and David Ajabo, but also a real force on the defense, a real third and seven, they're kicking him inside, and he is beaten up on a left guard over and over and over again, and he has been nightmare to play with him and Matabike on the inside. And Ajabo steps up and becomes that primary rusher to allow Adafi Owe to be that secondary rusher on the outside. And all that works. And Mike McDonald is the defensive coordinator that we all think he is. And even with some of the secondary issues, that defense is horrendous to play against. With Roquan Smith doing everything he does, Patrick Patrick Queen being just a heat-seeking missile piss missile all over the field the secondary does enough kyle hamilton steps up as the all pro chess piece that he has the potential to be and we're not looking at the secondary being like oh god rock your sin and i don't want to see kevon seymour we're looking at that defense saying 
you do not want to play these bad mofos because they are just they are mean and aggressive and actually you know working out that is that is i think the step that needs to be taken for the ravens to actually you know can will i don't know what category it goes into but to really be a, a legit super bowl threat and a contender and somebody that the national media is talking about i think that defense needs to take that step just picking up off of that, yeah, I think a big, for me, and Tim, you sort of touched on it, but what, why they can, full season of Roquan Smith. Remember, we acquired him, you know, midway through last year, full off season for him. He's got the number zero. It's a fresh The number start. zero works. It looks really good on game day. Tim gets converted and buys it in all three colors after week one. Like, all these things could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, like, Roquan is your unquestioned, like, leader of the defense. I believe they've said he's green dot guy, right, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's green doc guy. Uh, so, so that's another big reason. And then, you, yeah, Tim, you touched on it with JK. And this is this is kind of a can and they won't because it can split. But just the health of JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, uh, kind of still a mystery. <laughs> a little bit. They were both hurt at various times last year, coming off their huge injuries. If they're healthy, the Ravens can and should, even with a change in scheme have one of the better running games in the NFL because they have the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. And uh, yeah, will he, that ties in the Munkin thing, is he going to ramp that back? Is there somehow going to be more opportunities for Lamar to run if they're spreading the ball out? Remains to be seen. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, their, their health and how it impacts just the running game as a whole, I think that's obviously, that, that could go in both categories because I think that they could, could sort of sink or swim and and if they do have one of the best run games in the nfl again but a more dynamic passing attack they might have one of the best offenses in the nfl it's at least in play just one small final point here because it happened to me literally mid-rant there and i want to just put a smile on the the faces of the listeners here you ever just forget we have roquan smith <laughs> and then remember that we have roquan smith and i forgot that my favorite player is on the team and that <laughs> I get to watch him play again. I, I was talking about the defense, and I was like, well, who's in the linebacker? Oh, yeah, that guy. The, the, the best middle linebacker we've had since the greatest linebacker of all time. That's pretty great. Uh, I just I can't wait to watch him play, man. It's going to be fun. Let's just get to Sunday. Come on. Let's get to Sunday. Yeah, I just got very excited hearing all those things. Uh, I, I want one-word answers from the two of you. Uh, will you or have you placed legal wagers on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl? Yes. I have it, but I probably will for fun. <laughs> probably no more than 5 or $10. But, uh, um, yeah. I mean, I think of all the years we've been doing this show, I think this is the most I've felt, even with the concerns we laid out, and I think they're legitimate, especially with the pass rush uh, secondary corner combination. I think this is the, the best chance they've had to win the Super Bowl since probably entering the 2020 season. I think entering I, a season, like, since we've been doing this. I'm looking at it right now. It was placed on April 27th uh, <laughs> at 4.06 p.m., which is right around the time the Ravens posted the SpongeBob meme um, that was saying that Lamar Jackson had re-signed uh, as the new Ravens quarterback for the next five years. That is when that, like Jace, small unit, but unit nonetheless, went into the Ravens winning that Super Bowl. Well, that makes three of us. Uh, the dream is alive. <laughs> Ravens plus 1,800 uh, or better in, in some cases, but uh, the dream is alive. And I will continue to say that as the season goes until it is no longer uh, after they do win uh, in, in February when it's been completed. All right. Pause. That is officially the end of 
Summer previews. Uh, we are now into week one. It's now the regular season. Tim is going to go with the trivia game, and then we are going to preview Ravens versus Texans. Tim, who do you have for us? Yeah, it's interesting. You didn't even know you were making a really good transition here because my first clue here is talking about a dream being dead um, in, oh, no. in a weird way. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, a good thing. Actually, a good thing here, okay. ladies and gentlemen. Clue number one. This game, for our mystery player, came against a defending Super Bowl champion. And with the victory in this game, the Ravens all but eliminated this team from playoff contention. Hmm. Incredibly general to start, I know. This game came against a defending Super Bowl champion. With the win, the Ravens all but eliminated this team from playoff contention. And just as a bonus, I have the box score here. Uh, uh, the Ravens, after this victory, I'll give you this, were 9-2. and two, And the team in question was 4-7. and seven. We'll move on to clue number two here. Because I'm getting a lot of blanks unless somebody wants to cut in. Clue number two. The offense was solid. Steve McNair threw for 140 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Jamal Lewis had 17 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. But it was the defense, which includes our mystery player, that really stood out. <laughs> the offense was solid. McNair, 140 and a tud. Jamal Lewis, 66 and a tud. But it was the defense, including our mystery player, that really stood out. You guys have been very good at this, and maybe I was just jealous, so I just went kind of difficult here. I apologize. Well, I'm, I don't want to uh -oh. say too much because I don't want to give clues away to Antonio. But I, well, we, can, we can talk it out, Jace. I'm not like, obviously yeah, we we've narrowed it, it down to a few. Let's do it. We're doing a season it for the or two. Here. Well, We're you doing know, it for the listeners here. Do you know the team, the defending champions? I, I think I do, but I think I'm a year off, so. Okay, well, I know who it is, and I think I know the play Tim's thinking of. I just okay, don't well, know then, who that guy was. Oh guess, then dive in, Jace. <laughs> Jace. Well, uh, you don't have to. I, we can, yeah, we can let's do one Save more. another clue. All right. I mean, I have two names. But... Which is insane that Jace knows this already. But that, that's absolutely, right. absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, I will say, as we get towards these later clues, obviously it gets easier. That's kind of the whole point here. I'm going to need, like, a... A buzz or like a, hey, stop, and I will stop reading the clue if you want to take a guess and try and jump in before the other co-host here. All right, clue number three. In this late November matchup at the bank, the Ravens defense, just this makes me happy for Roquan, recorded 10 pass deflections, nine sacks, two forced fumbles, <laughs> one of them recovered, and two interceptions. Our mystery player in question had four tackles, one and a half sacks, one pass deflection and an interception in this game. I'll yeah. throw out a guess. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear it. I don't know okay. if this is right. Go ahead. Jake. I think because when you said it, so, it's Roethlisberger. It's the Steelers, and I think when I immediately Tim brought this season up, all I could think is Roethlisberger getting absolutely rocked by who I believe the mystery player to be, Bart Scott. I do not know if this is correct, but I think it's him. I, w I would like to confirm uh, confirm those assessments. I thought I was off with the Steelers by a year, but but yeah, I will agree with Jace and see if he sells me half a point later. Can I take you guys on a walk here before I reveal it? <laughs> sure. Walk, walk away, Tim. The mystery player that I was thinking of was Adelius Thomas. Mm. 
But I couldn't really find a standout game for Adelius Thomas. I couldn't find, like, a moment for Adelius Thomas. And, and in fact, I ended up looking through some of his old game logs and moments and, you know, top Ravens of all time and what have you. And one of the things that popped up was he intercepted Ben Roth or Yes. Yeah. He intercepted Ben Roethlisberger in Ben Roethlisberger's first game as a starter oh. in 2004 in Baltimore, a game that I was at as a child, as a 12-year-old at that point. Um, and so I wanted to go with that, but it was incredibly vague. So I looked for another game. I was like, what was that? Let's do that game that, you know, where they were really good. And Adelius Thomas actually had a 54-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown oh, wow. in this game that I am talking about here. But the player in question is Bart Scott. Because okay. the player in question <laughs> is the man who absolutely decleated Ben Roethlisberger in one of the cleanest, should still be legal to this day hits of all time. Just. He killed him. <laughs> it's, it's. Cover kids' ears if, if they're in the car. It's football porn. It's just football porn. It's, it's one of the things that I would watch on a loop to get me excited for the Ravens season is Ben Roethlisberger getting absolutely decleated by Bart Scott in this 2006 game, followed by the game on the opening weekend where the Ravens won 35 to nothing, and Jarrett Johnson blindsides Heinz Ward out of absolutely nowhere, giving that dirtbag, and I'm oh, almost cursed there, everything he deserved for being this quote-unquote chippy blocker, even though he was just a dirty blocker who blindsided people. Jarrett Johnson took the opportunity when the ref wasn't looking to turn his head, plant both feet, and stick it right in that smile of Heinz Ward and put his feet above his head and knock him to the floor. I will never forget seeing that moment live time and actually rewinding it, even though I hate when people do that. As like, again, a 15-year-old showing my dad, like, he killed him! He killed him! He did it! This is great! But the hit, but the hit that precedes that, the famous hit that precedes that in Ravens history, or one of them, I should say, is the Bart Scott hit on Ben Roethlisberger. I'll just go quickly with these other clues here. This was the first season that this player started all 16 games on the Ravens defense next to a Hall of Famer. And obviously in the inside linebacker role, um, kind of, you know, sometimes right outside linebacker, but primarily inside. And then uh, number five, this player delivered one of the most famous hits in Ravens history in this game. Um, if, if, if somebody is here listening who is a new Ravens fan, is a... Lamar Jackson bandwagon fan, which is fine. It's not it's not a derogatory term. Welcome to the team. We love you. We love having you. Go watch this. Just go watch the highlights of this game and watch this hit. Because it is just... You might not hate the Steelers now, especially if you came in early. We still hate the Steelers. We hate them with every fiber of our being. And they were the defending champions. They were having a terrible year. And the Ravens were 9-8-2 or eight and two at that time. And then took them to the cleaners. By the way, 27-0, I should say, this game finished for the Ravens. Ten pass deflections, nine sacks, two forced fumbles, and two interceptions. And knocking Ben Roethlisberger out of the game with one of the biggest hits I've ever seen that was legal. Just fantastic stuff all around. I'm waxing poetic, but... That's... I don't remember it being... I I guess that's why... So, this is how I know we've been friends a long time, Tim, is when immediately when you said... When I figured out it was the Steelers, I was like, he's got to be thinking of that hit on Roethlisberger. And I I just was like, was that Suggs or was that Bart Scott? I couldn't Uh. remember which guy. And I was like, I don't... I think it was uh, Scott. But... uh, um, but, yeah, I didn't remember. I mean, nine sacks, that's crazy. Imagine a Ravens team having nine sacks. 
<laughs> it seems so so out of time now. We can't get a, a single player with nine sacks over seventeen <laughs> games, much less yeah, all in one game. Um, oh. Tim, that's fantastic. Uh, Jace, whatever, man, you're tough to you're tough to beat in the <laughs> in this game. And I will probably try to change the rules once we get in, uh, in midseason, so we can stop you a little bit. Um, let's turn now to the to the preview. We have an actual NFL Raven football game regular season to preview. Texans visiting the Baltimore Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium. It's week one. Ravens, 10 points. Say it again. 10-point favorites at home against the Texans. We're going to start with the Ravens offense versus the Texans defense in our preview here. What do we see from this offensive group, fellas, in week one? I am genuinely excited to see Munkin. Lamar, the crew, we have a wide receiver group, we have healthy running backs, I think, and we have a healthy Lamar Jackson that we haven't seen since December 4th, the year of our Lord, 2022. It has been a while, Jesus. and I think we're going to see some good stuff, um, but what are you guys thinking of the offensive performance against this Texans defense? I mean, it, it, here's the question, what do we see? Like, wh- what is this offense? I think one of the things that we could be talking about here uh, in the next episode after this game is why didn't they play at least a series? Why didn't they get a little (laughs) bit of preseason time? Because they like, I think there's a real possibility that it's like, it's kind of all over the place because they haven't put it together in a quote unquote live game setting. And so I'm with you. I'm I'm excited, but I'm also a little nervous and just curious overall of what this is actually going to look like. And two, my only, my only other point here just generally is at least to start I wonder, I think this is going one of two ways. Either they're like hammering this narrative of we are no longer just a ground and pound team and he's throwing it 35 times in the first half. Or maybe it looks kind of similar. Todd Munkin is not known as just an air raid guy. Obviously he has done that. But he's also run the Georgia offense, which was not very, it was tight ends and running backs. Like that's what it was. And Jay's going to test that being the college football guy here on this podcast He is a very, and I think one of the things that's most exciting about him is he is a very flexible offensive coordinator. And I think that it's going to be different. It has to be different. And it's, I ultimately, I think it's going to be better, but it might look a lot more similar than we think. I don't think Lamar's going empty shotgun, no huddle walking like five wide walking down the field. Like some people think it's going to be uh, for this offense. I'm very interested to see kind of, not frustration, but how much of it we're just sitting there looking at it like, oh, okay, you know, we're still going six yards a clip on first down on the, on the you know, off-tackle run with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. I don't hate it. It's fine with me. <coughs> Excuse me. But I think it's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see how similar it is, I think, because I think it is going to be a little bit more similar than people are, are, are thinking right now at this moment. That's such a good point, Tim, because, yeah, John Harbaugh's still the head coach. He's still the head coach of this team, and, and the offense will reflect what he wants it to be to a very large degree. You know, that's part of what why Todd Munkin got the job, you know, at the interview process. Whatever he said was something Harbaugh wanted to hear. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, I'm completely with you. I don't think it'll be that different, but that being said, uh, just because, you know, I like to torture myself uh, from time to time. I, I went back and I looked up. The Ravens' last game, playoff loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Why? Um, well, 
because in thinking about like what will this offense be and just all the new pieces um I looked and the only actual receive two receivers, only two players that actually play wide receiver caught a ball uh, for the Ravens in that game. And it was two catches by Demarcus Robinson and one catch by Sammy Watkins. That's insane. Mark Mark Andrews was the leading receiver and J.K. Dobbins, of all people, was actually their second leading receiver with four receptions in that playoff game. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, I, I expect there to be more than three completions to wide receivers and that the wide receivers are Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman, your number three, who was your number one entering last year. That's exciting. And obviously, yeah, Tyler Huntley was also the starter of that game. So just to have Lamar back on the field, he's always fun to watch. Uh, to just have real receivers, regardless of what their ceiling ultimately ends up being. I'm still excited to see it, but... It's just so night and day from where they were just like, you know, nine months ago that I'm like, oh, this is, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, It's going to be nice to not be relying on Sammy Watkins in critical moments. Uh, So that has me excited. I'm excited to just see the room. And uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it when I went back and looked because it was somehow way worse than I than I even thought it would be. So uh, it, it just gave me even added uh, excitement for this group because it's like, wow, we have like a real receiver room, actually. Like Nelson Aguilar is their number five. He would have easily been their wide receiver one last season. So that's that's a good place to be. I have two questions um, for the Ravens offense against the Texans defense, and they're on either side of the ball, and then I'm going to let you two guys uh, you know, take it where you would like. But question number one is, what the hell is up with Mark Andrews? Uh, <laughs> hasn't been practicing, slammed a helmet, uh, has been a bit moody, you know, a little testy here and there. Mystery about what his ailment is, if he even has one. Obvious Harbaugh uh, mystery and fogginess about whether or not he's playing and if he's healthy and what's going on. So that's my first question. And the second one, looking at the Texans. Let's take a minute and actually look at the other side of the ball. Texans with a lot of young talent. Uh, Will Anderson Jr., obviously out of Alabama, drafted this year high. Derek Stingley, a top 10, a top 5 pick last year. Uh, and Jalen Petrie. So there's some guys there, another high high draft pick for the Texans. There's young talent, not a lot of pedigree. Uh, who, What situation, who are we afraid of uh, in this game? Um, or what matchup maybe concerns us the most? Uh, Derek Stingley, by the way, taking over Sauce Gardner. Taking the pick before Sauce Gardner in the draft last year, um, you know, before last football season. Uh, I'll, I'll just say this in the defense. I don't have anything on Andrews because I'm just not, you know, we're too early in the week to know, with, especially with all the hardballisms. Like, let's hope he plays. I don't really know what's going on there. In terms of the defense, I, I think there's some other decent players in there uh, that you mentioned before we get to some of the young talent. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, the likes of Will Anderson, who we'll talk about in a second, the likes of Derek Stingley. Jerry Hughes is on this team. Ageless wonder, pass rusher guy, I think could be a little bit of a threat. Sheldon Rankins is a good player on the inside of that defense as well. Um, You know, I think Christian Harris has some of that talent, but kind of struggled last year uh, as a third-round pick for them. And then Jimmy Ward came over from San Francisco. Jimmy Ward, a a really good safety, strong safety-type player. So I think that kind of coming over with D'Amico Ryans from that San Francisco system, kind of teaching the guys that, uh, you know, there, there's pieces there. There's pieces there to frustrate. I think the one that I'm, I'm going to be watching, and I, Jace might have the same answer here, Will Anderson for me. I think just 
was that dude in college for like three years and everybody was just kind of waiting for him to come out. You don't see that very often with defensive players. You see that a lot with like Trevor Lawrence, you know. Oh, he's going to be the number one pick when he comes out. He's going to be the number one pick when he comes out. Will Anderson obviously falls to, what was it, number three in this draft. But remember, the Texans traded a whole hell of a lot to get up to three to pick two and three here, basically sacrificing another first-round pick next year. So they kind of need to be good here. They do not have a first-round pick. They invested a lot in Will Anderson, bringing in a defensive coach like D'Amico Ryans as well. Obviously, he had the seal of approval to make that move, to get up, to get the what in college looked like a generational talent. And then as we went through the scouting system, people were like, oh, I don't know, doesn't have all the traits, yada, 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 even though you watch him play and he was just an absolute monster when, when he was at Bama with the Crimson Tide. I think he is going to be, you know, as a football person, I'm going to be very interested to watch him because I think for a rookie, there's a lot of pressure on him to, to live up to that price tag because if he doesn't, that could go down as, you know, people want to kill it now, but I, I say wait until to see how good the player is. But that could go down as a terrible trade for the Texans if Will Anderson is just fine. He needs to be good. He needs to be great for this Texans defense. And it might not happen in week one, obviously, but I'm interested to see kind of what foot he gets off on here. Is it the right or the wrong one? Yeah, 100%. And, and just like visions of, I think, yeah, obviously, D'Amico Ryan's his fingerprints are going to be heavily on this defense, uh, so you expect their defense to be better. And Will Anderson just, like, kind of lining up over Morgan Moses, that, that kind of concerns me a little bit. I, you figure they'll probably keep him away from Stanley as much as possible just because Ronnie Stanley's a much better player than <laughs> Morgan Moses. So th- uh, that kind of uh, jumped out to me as, as definitely a, a concern for, for a slight concern potentially if he could if he just causes big problems uh, on, on the defensive side for them combined with Ryan's schemes and stuff um, but uh, Antonio there's nothing to worry about with Mark Andrews we're quote we're still on don't push the panic button John Harbaugh said that uh, Monday as we record <laughs> it means nothing it means literally nothing yeah, uh, supposedly he claimed he might practice Wednesday, but that's even weird because you're like, so you know he's not healthy enough to practice tomorrow or you don't practice tomorrow or <laughs> he's just, <laughs> he's talking about Wednesday. Yeah, again, this is just, we've talked on and off about Harbaugh. It's just another case of just like, he, he says there's no reason to panic. It's like, hey, just tell everyone he tweaked his hamstring and then everyone stops panicking because they go, okay. He has a hamstring sprain or, <laughs> or strain, <laughs> and that and that's it. And then you can move on. When you yeah, don't tell people. And I understand there's like sensitive injuries and stuff, but it seems like something he did in practice or something, right? With the throw of the helmet or whatever. So I don't know. It's more baloney from John Harbaugh, but what can you do? I do. I don't expect to see him on the field Wednesday until he's there. Because I, I mean, Harbaugh's wrong at every step. I mean, Tyus Bowser was. Days away from coming back, and now he's out the first four weeks. So you know, you you can't you can't take anything John Harbaugh says about injuries remotely on his word at this point uh, in his tenure. Let's turn to the Ravens' defense against the Texans' offense. Uh, I have two questions for you guys here. Uh, number one being, what will Mike McDonald cook up to confuse rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud? How do these? How is he going to create pressure? turnovers against a rookie quarterback making his debut 
And then the big one. Uh, can the secondary hold up against a rookie quarterback making his debut? Uh, the Texans receivers. Not a lot going on. First of all, at tight end, it's Dalton Schultz trying to make good uh, on a one-year deal. He kind of tested free agency and I think thought he was going to do significantly better than he did in the market. Ended up with a one-year deal on a bad team with a rookie quarterback. So he's there. Then it's Robert Woods, Nico Collins, and Noah Brown, who combined for 1,600 yards last season total between the three of them. Uh, there's John Mechie third, which is a nice story. He's coming back from both an ACL injury and leukemia, but it's unclear how much of a role he's going to have in, in week one. So it seems like the perfect ramp-up game for this cornerback group without Marlon Humphrey, but are, are there fears? Are you guys still concerned about what the Texans can do moving the ball through the air? I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. This is this is the game that you have to kind of quell some of the concerns. Like, I want to come into next week's show saying, I was impressed. It was just the Texans, but I was impressed. Not, oh my God, the Texans just lit us up. I think that could be a real issue. Um, you know, if we're coming in here and C.J. Stroud is like, you know, they still, even if the Ravens win and it's like, well, but C.J. Stroud put on a show. He can't be putting on a show. <laughs> Not with the weapons that he has here. Um, you know, I think he's he's progressively gotten better in the preseason. I actually ended up watching a decent amount of Texans preseason, at least the C.J. Stroud drives, because obviously they're the week one opponent for the Ravens. Uh, quick decisions, you know, after the first game where he was definitely flustered, you know, kind of getting the ball out quickly, which I think is going to be a problem for the Ravens, but... They were trying to protect him um, in a lot of different ways. But Mike McDonald, man, like, I think that's a guy that I, I'm really high on him. I think it's a guy that, you know, all the nerdy football people like, which means I like him. He's one of these dudes that you could see getting a head coaching job in the next couple of years, especially with the way the league flows where it's like, get all the offensive guys, get the whole McVay tree. And now we're turning the other way of how do you stop these guys, bring in the guys that can stop these guys. I think he, if he has another, you know, good season, good couple seasons with the Ravens, uh, leading that defense, I think there's, you know, that's a head coach in waiting type of type of guy there, um, and I think that he is incredibly creative, and I think that he is going to have enough stuff. The Ravens versus rookie quarterbacks consistently has been has been profitable for the Baltimore Ravens in terms of the win column there, and. I want to see how he deals with no Marlon Humphrey. Because let's just assume that Marlon Humphrey's not playing. How does he line up the secondary? Does Kyle Hamilton play more in that slot like he did last season and not so much more of a traditional safety, kicking a Geno Stone out with Marcus Williams? Does he leave him there and trust an Arthur Mallett or somebody like that to kind of play more slot corner? I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of how they line up in the defensive secondary. But no, I, I'm... Confidence probably too strong, but I'm hopeful that the Ravens secondary is going to impress here, and we're going to be looking at it like, okay, it's just the Texans, but you know, satisfied with what happened there. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I, I they should have answers for CJ Shroud, I think, and, and we should mention too the Texans uh, lines kind of getting beat up a little bit. We know they lost Kenyon Green for the season, and I believe the last I saw Titus Howard was banged up, their right tackle. So that's obviously not what you you want for your rookie quarterback is already sort of a a line facing question marks. Obviously, Laramie Tunsil on the on the blind side for him, so he's still one of the better tackles in the league, certainly. But um, so to that end, will they get over two and a half sacks? 
push. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's hard to say. I, I still have my doubts, but but I wouldn't be surprised if they pick him off two or three times, uh, maybe twice. You know, Marcus Williams. We forget maybe he was having an awesome season until Incredible he suffered yep. the like first injury of his career when he <laughs> joined the Ravens. So uh, it'll be nice to have him back and healthy for, from week one. And, and and so I'm not too worried. Tim, you mentioned the rookie number. I, I looked it up via Sports Illustrated. Twenty one and seven is the Ravens and in the hardball era against rookie QBs. So should I be more concerned? Probably. But uh, I I think for a week one, this is for a week one. When you have question marks about your secondary, this is about as good a a first opponent as you can get as a rookie quarterback in his first NFL game. (laughs) Like that's you're you're not in this league. You're just not going to get many quote easier matchups. Yeah, to the intangibles, and then my pick, because yeah, you guys, we, we've been circling it now. It's Harbaugh week one, first of all, which is a positive in and of itself. He has the Ravens ready to go every year week one. It's a Ravens, it's the Ravens against a rookie quarterback in Baltimore. It's Harbaugh against a rookie head coach in D'Amico Ryans in his first game. It's the perfect week one without Humphrey. I, I can't, it's, the line is high. And I'm really not even that afraid of it. I think the Ravens' offense is going to start slow. There's going to be a few field goals at the end of drives where you might have wanted touchdowns. And then by the end of it, the Ravens win 29-13. You look up at the scoreboard in the third quarter, and it's like, oh, they're up by 15? What? When did this even happen? I, I just have a lot of doubts about the Texans' ability to score points, to move the ball down the field quickly. Uh and, and I think the Ravens are going to get sacks. Jason, I think they are going to get turnovers in this game. And I think 29-13, a comfortable cover and a nice week one win for the Ravens. Yeah, uh, I'm taking. I'm with you. Ravens minus 10. Last year, I got scared off. There was a big line against the Jets uh, in the Ravens season opener. I forget what the exact number was. I got scared off by, by the ghost of Joe Flacco. Uh, but I'm not going to get scared in this scenario, in this spot. Texans are, I think, maybe even worse than that Jets team was entering last year. Um, at least everywhere else, they're they're really sort of just slowly trying to crawl out of a rebuild. You mentioned home openers. Look that up. Eleven and four under Harbaugh in season openers, uh, and, and only one of those four losses uh, in a season opener under Harbaugh has come at home. It came against the Bengals in 2014. He just wins season openers. Eleven and four against a rookie quarterback. I don't. I, I. I. can't. I can't not take the minus ten. So c- congratulations to the Texans on their nine point defeat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate it. The line is too high. If it's nine and a half, I like love it infinitely more. The fact that it's ten just tells me it's absolutely going to push. But it's week one, man. I'm trying something different. I'm turning over a new leaf. Ravens minus ten for all the things you guys said. I'm going to go through two other picks that I have. Uh, you know, we're starting fresh, fellas. Zero and zero on the season, so we want winners only. And my first pick here outside of the Ravens is one that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it is a rat line, and I'm fall- I'm falling head over no. heels. You're taking the cheese, man. <laughs> I love cheese, Tim. I, I, love- <laughs> I love Parmesan. I love Pecorino. I love cheddar. Uh, <laughs> and I'm taking it again. The Eagles are three-and-a-half-point favorites in New England. If you listened to me last week, I'm taking the under on the Pats for their win total. I believe it was seven-and-a-half. I don't believe in this Pats team. I think they're in a tough division. That's why I took the under. 
I do believe in this Eagles team. And I think they're going to beat the Pats by double digits. I don't understand. Uh, this is going to end up being an Eagles three-point victory. Um, but I'm not afraid. I'm taking that cheese. Eagles minus three and a half at the Pats. And then my last pick is a three-team tease. Because that's there what I is. do on this show. Uh, that's my move. That's where you That's where you make cheese, uh, Tim. All, all kinds of cheese again. <laughs> make all that cheddar. Um, and I'm doubling down on the Ravens. Uh, it's three teams. It's six points. So for you know, we're starting new again. So for the the listener that doesn't do too much in the gambling world, uh, a tease is just taking multiple games and then moving the lines for those games. But you have to win all of the bets to win the bet as a whole. So this is a three-team six-point tease. I'm moving the Ravens down from ten to minus four. Yes, please. Okay, great. I'm moving the Jags line. To plus one and a half against the Indianapolis Colts. Again, I'm, I'm working off of the teams that I kind of like a little bit. We have no idea if the Colts can move the football at all. I don't know if Richardson can complete a forward pass in the NFL. He's been a little spotty in the preseason. He's played, what was 13 games? Let's go to the college expert, Chase. Was it 13 games in his oh, entire number, collegiate yeah. career? I don't think he's ready for an NFL football game. And I get the Jags at plus odds in this tease. I'm taking plus one and a half. Thank you very much. The Colts also without Jonathan Taylor in this game. I don't know how they score. And then the Chiefs. It's the kickoff game this this Thursday. I'm moving that line down to minus half a point at home against the Lions. I didn't pick the Lions to go to the postseason. Great. Guess what? They might be for real. But they are not beating the defending defending champion Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead to kick off the NFL season in prime time. Everybody's it's just not happening. The, the NFL script, the Goodell script that he sent to everybody, he's not allowing the Detroit Lions to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead Thursday night. It just isn't happening. That's my three team tease: Ravens minus four, Jags plus one and a half, Chiefs minus half a point. Let's start collecting. Let's start collecting wins. Uh, Antonio, I'm 100% with you on, on the last one. Uh, no fancy tees from me, but because uh, uh, I'm not good at them. But <laughs> uh, I am taking the Chiefs, just their, their line straight up, minus six and a half uh, versus the Lions. I, and I know the Chiefs' whole thing the last several years, really, not even just last year, has been not covering spreads. Um, but I, I'm with you. Season opener, kickoff, Arrowhead Stadium. And the Lions had literally the worst defense in the NFL last year. They were 32nd in yards allowed. And I don't know that they made, like, a big enough improvement uh, to, like, impact the Chiefs from just winning this game by a touchdown. So I'm going with the Chiefs uh, for, for kind of some of the reasons, same reasons you lined out. And then the other one that caught my eye is Packers plus one at Bears. And I know I've been circling this for several weeks on this show with the my thoughts on the Packers and Bears. Uh, and, and yeah, there's questions about Jordan Love, um, but I just don't get the Bears' love at all for this entire season. They were the worst team in the NFL last year, and they won three games. They lost their last ten games, and people didn't notice because Justin Fields put up good fantasy yards in losing efforts. Um, but uh, I just I don't get it. They're the worst team in the league a year ago, and now they're favored in week one. <laughs> it just kind of, it's kind of confusing. So I just think, uh, you know, I just think the, the Bears, or I think the Packers are a better team. So I'm taking them plus one at the Bears. I think the Packers win that game. And just as a bonus, uh, you know, there's some things that could happen that scared me, but uh, Bills minus two and a half 
at Jets. Um, I just think the Bills are a better team than the Jets. That's kind of all that comes down to. Uh, so, you know, uh, I could see that one going perhaps awry, which is why I didn't write it in stone. I, I feel a lot more confident about my other two. But, yeah, the Bills minus two and a half, that guy just kind of caught my eye being an under, a number under three for what I think is the better team. To play off of both of you here, I see one, a really scary trend where I get convinced into taking every single one of Antonio's teases this season because that, <laughs> I mean, my God, that just looks too tempting and the Ravens will be the one to blow it and win by three. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, and then I'll just uh, – I'll ride off of Jace here. I, the, Packers plus one, just take a money line and get the better odds. I don't – I don't get it. They have the same over-under total as the Bears, who were the worst team in football last year. Justin Fields has nobody to throw to and might not be able to throw. The defense <laughs> was pretty bad last year. It hasn't gotten much better. You know, I guess DJ Moore is there. Fine. Sorry. My apologies. <laughs> DJ Moore is there. Shout out Terps. I, I think the Packers are just wholeheartedly a better football team with a much better coach. And the fact that they are... An underdog in this game seems crazy to me. Take them, take them money line. Don't even, you don't even need the point here. And I think they win this game outright. The only thing that scares me about this is this game means a lot to the Bears. The Bears have Aaron Rodgers owned the Chicago Bears, and now that this is their fight, like to the point where he was like, "I own you," like screaming at the fans, basically. This is their chance to finally break away from the Packers, and it might mean a lot more to them than it does the Green Bay Packers. It's the only thing that scares me there, so consider that. But just on paper, I'm taking the Packers there. And the other one I have, I know there's some worry about uh, Bosa, but 49ers minus 2.5 away to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I get it's a cross-country trip. I know that Pittsburgh is the bell of the ball for a lot of people. I, earlier in this podcast about seven hours ago, picked them to make the playoffs. I, I, but the Niners, I think, are one of the best teams in the NFL, and it's less than a three-point favorite there against Kenny Pickett. I'm taking them. I'm, I'm taking them there. I, I, I think maybe a little bit. It's, it's, not, it's not your Parmesan, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know, like a, just a – it's like a craft single. Like it's not really cheese, but it's kind of a rat line, and I'm and I'm gonna take it anyway. Uh, 49ers minus two and a half away, and mainly because I didn't really love a lot of the other stuff on the board. Maybe I got to get into the tease game with Antonio, but that sounded weird. Um, I just there was not too too much that I loved outside of this, but I have a category here that I'm gonna try and do this season of like, don't take it, but yeah, if you get convinced, <laughs> maybe take it. It's kind of the games I'm. I'm I'll just run through these really quickly. Dolphins plus three away to the Chargers. Dolphins will not be the away team in that game. <laughs> it'll se- it'll be seventy five percent charge. Uh, Dolphins fans there in L A. Maybe Tua comes out and lights it up in Week One before he gets concussed again. Cardinals plus seven away to the Commanders. The Commanders should not be favored by a touchdown to anybody <laughs> in the National Football League. Don't forget Sam Howell beat up on third stringers. Don't forget Saints minus three at home to the Titans. I think the Saints are a sneaky bet for. A surprise of the season. I just like some of the talent they have. Vikings minus six at home to the Bucks. The Bucks suck. The Vikings, as we mentioned earlier, we like the Vikings. They can beat that Bucks team by a touchdown. And the Broncos minus four at home to Vegas. Kind of on the theme here. I think Vegas is terrible. Vegas is one of the teams that could have one of the worst records in the National Football League. And this is a bet. If you think Sean Payton can transform Russell Wilson, and you agree with me that the the Raiders are bad, 
Broncos minus four might be really, really, really short. Uh, and that game could be a massive blowout in week one. So those are my don't take it, but <coughs> take it picks of the week. Guys, that's it. There is one thing missing Woo! now, and it's NFL and Raven football. I'm very excited, as are my two co-hosts. We hope you guys listen along with us every week, because now we're coming to you every week to recap the previous game and preview the next one along with stellar picks. I am Antonio Barbera for Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens. Thank you so much for listening to us here on Pod Like a Raven. It's week one. It's week one. We will see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.